when I was in sales, I was a lone wolf. I knew the playbook that made me incredibly successful, but you cannot operate as a successful marketer in a silo. You have to open up. You have to collaborate. When you bring multiple minds to the table, especially when they're diverse minds, the more successful you'll ultimately be. You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Brian Hopper. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Catherine Dummett on sales as a foundation for successful marketing careers. Catherine Dummett is the VP of marketing at Narvar. With a career that began in sales, she channels a unique revenue-centric ethos into her marketing leadership. At Narvar, Catherine's domain is vast and multifaceted, from overseeing the BDR function to the go-to-market technologies to marketing. Beyond the strategies and campaigns, Catherine's true prowess lies in her advocacy for diversity and empowerment. She's made a name not just for her acumen in orchestrating complex marketing orchestrations, but also for building and leading robust, diverse teams that act as a beating heart and growth engine to the organizations she graces. And in case you're unfamiliar with Narvar, Narvar is the leading post-purchase platform. Over a decade ago, Narvar pioneered how brands engage with consumers beyond the buy button through branded order tracking, delivery notifications, returns, and exchanges. Today, Narvar's comprehensive post-purchase platform empowers over 1,300 of the world's most admired brands, including Sephora, Levi's, Warby Parker, L'Oreal, and, and more to deliver and build trust and grow customer lifetime value. Recognized multiple times by Fast Company as one of the most innovative companies, Narvar simplifies the everyday lives of consumers. Catherine, I'm really excited to talk to you today. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. I'm excited to be here. So let's get right into it. You started your career in sales development, and since then, you've made the move to marketing and shot up the ranks at several different companies, now being VP of marketing at Narvar. How did a background in sales prepare you for a successful career in marketing, and what are some of the specific skills that transfer between the two fields? Yeah, it's a great question. I am really lucky that I got to start my career in sales. Starting in sales gave me this insane competitive advantage that has really just fundamentally shaped the way that I operate. In the world of sales, you know, you're constantly plugged into the customer psyche, every objection, preference, small talk, really equipped myself with a, a treasure chest of insights. And in marketing, it's all about leveraging that intelligence. You get to use it to craft fun campaigns that resonate and hit the right person at the right time, making sure it really counts. And also the other thing that I always think back to when I was in sales, like every pitch that I did, I really got to hone in on what words I was using, crafting that message. And it really helped me understand that every word truly counts. In marketing, that narrative really can help set you apart. It can break apart from the noise. And if you're able to really harness that eloquence and shape that story, you can watch your brand, your marketing, your campaigns really shine through. Another piece of sales that I always default back to was my Rolodex, the connections that I made, whether it was over meetings at a trade show or coffees or even one too many late night dirty martinis. All of those relationships really became a goldmine for myself in marketing. Collaborations, partnerships, influencers, honing into all of those different types of kind of parts of my Rolodex helped me open up a completely different way of thinking as a marketer. It really showcased to me that the world is my oyster when you have the right connections, which has been awesome. I also think about, you know, sales targets. I had a quota. They weren't just numbers, they were milestones. And as I transitioned into marketing, 
it helped me really level set on my own metrics. And, you know, when you're in sales, you have that quota, you have to hit it every single quarter or you're out. And so that relentless pursuit, honestly, really helped me become the most data-driven marketer I possibly could become. And I'm not sure if I would have had that backbone had I not started in sales. Obviously, like too, with sales, you have all these curveballs. I do it. I'm in marketing and I throw my vendors curveballs daily and I feel bad about it um, because I've been on the receiving end. But like once you've mastered the art of that swift pivot or that agility, you are golden, whether it's a campaign that needs tweaking, a sudden market shift, a competitive play that is really adding more pressure to your business. Agility keeps you two steps ahead. You're always thinking about that with your campaigns, your messaging, et cetera. I think some other things that really helped, of course, is is just feedback. When you're in sales, when you hear a customer complaint or, you know, a praise, you really take that and it, it helps kind of shape your approach. And I've embraced that in, in how I operate as a marketing. I like to listen, learn, and just iterate. It's so critical to keep iterating. So that helps me keep things fresh, keep my audience engaged, and also keep my team engaged, which I think is really important. So if I think about, and I know I've just thrown a lot at you, Brian, but if I think about the different pieces that have really shaped me as a successful marketer, I think it is the tools that I learned in, in sales were persuasion, negotiation, presentation polish, data-driven decisioning, time mastery, project hustle, which is so, so important. And then also just full funnel, like fluency, like understanding everything from first touch and getting that first meeting to closing the sale. So TLDR, sales gave me an insane amount of street smarts and hustle. And now I get to pour all of that into my marketing craft. Yeah, well said. And like you said, you're on the front lines too, right? So you have this unique perspective that you can now apply to a more broader approach with marketing. So even, even with the similarities, right, sales and marketing, there's a lot of crossover and a lot of transferable skills. There are some pretty big differences in the roles. What are some of the biggest challenges that you, you faced making the transition to marketing from sales and, and how did you handle them? Yeah, so I'm going to be honest with you, Brian. I still struggle with some of this stuff to date. I think one of the, the big things is big picture thinking. In sales, you're so honed in on individual clients. Like you want to go after Bob from accounting at this one customer. And in marketing, you need to look at all accountants in the Midwest. And that has been a hard pivot for me. I really believe the devil's in the details. I like to get overly personalized sometimes. So I have to hold myself accountable and really dive into the data, understand trends in ways that we can scale one play that may have resonated with Bob from accounting into all accountants in the Midwest. It's, it's really important to think big picture when you're in marketing. I think the other piece that has been a learning curve, if you will, for myself was thinking about playing the, the long game. Sales is, it's such an adrenaline rush. And I, I love that. Like there's nothing better than the feeling of closing a deal, beating a competitor. And so you're just constantly going through that cycle. You know, it, it, I don't want to say it's short-sighted. It's, you know, it's just all about that one deal. And in marketing, you really have to plant what I call a garden. You need to plant the seeds and nurture them and grow them. And yeah, you'll, you'll see some results today. Maybe carrots grow faster than your bell peppers, but it's a multi-pronged approach and you really need to be patient and remember that it's about building a brand, not just getting the sale. And that, that's been 
that's been a little bit of a, a tough one. I think the other one, and this is my finance team will think this one's funny. It's all about handling cash. We have to think about ROI with every dollar spent. And attribution is so incredibly tricky. And so data really comes into play with that. So you have to be a lot more analytical than how I operated when I was in sales. And so that is really important. And then last but not least, I think when I was in sales, I was kind of a lone wolf. I knew the playbook that made me incredibly successful, but you cannot operate as a successful marketer in a silo. You have to open up. You have to collaborate. And, you know, when you bring multiple minds to the table, especially when they're diverse minds, the more successful you'll ultimately be. I mean, all in all, I think sales gives you such an incredible taste for instinct. And now that you're in marketing, you're just you're just playing on a bigger field. And once you adjust your own playbook, you really can kind of set the score in no time. That's, let's dive into that a little bit. So you have a really unique background. And now you're, instead of, you know, having one-on-one conversations with people, you're coming up with these marketing campaigns and you're trying to be as creative as possible. I know you have some really great examples of things you've done in the past, but how, how does your background help you when trying to craft these campaigns? And if you could share some examples too, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, having started my career in sales, I was always trying to figure out the best way to capture the attention of my target. I know we're all bombarded on a daily basis with so many emails, so many phone calls. Now we're getting text messages. It's like, how do you cut through that noise? And I discovered pretty early on that by tapping into the emotions of my target and really treating them like a human being, that ultimately made me incredibly more effective. You know, I started to to lean more into understanding human behavior and what really sticks with them. And so when I transitioned to marketing, I really brought that perspective along. And one campaign that I got to have a lot of fun with, I think back to frequently, because I think it really helped set the standard for myself when I think about marketing campaigns. And this was an initiative I probably did five to seven years ago. It was around summertime. It, I recognized that you know school had just been let out. My, my target audience, they're a bunch of you know, working parents, and they have the challenge of professional responsibilities going into the office, working from home, and also keeping their kids who are not in school engaged and busy. So what I started thinking about at the time I was working for a customer data platform, that's what I was marketing, a a CDP, if you you don't know, it's just technology that essentially ingests data, can anonymize it, and you can then activate it across any marketing channels or other channels to essentially engage your end audience. So in order to have a little bit more fun with it and talk to my target like a human being, I decided I would I would start to send out like massive amounts of Connect Four games. And I paired it with a, a white paper detailing how a CDP can help you connect your data dot. It can help you supercharge your marketing campaign. And the game, yeah, it, it wasn't just a clever metaphor. It also really served as a fun activity for our people's kids. I actually got a 20% reply rate. Some of the replies, of course, are not going to equate to, hey, oh my gosh, I have to buy your CDP or I need a demo tomorrow. Some of the responses were just a, you know, an opening to a relationship. Like, oh my gosh, I love this. My kids have never played Connect Four. You know, the nostalgia. I got pictures of people's kids playing with the Connect Four. And it really just, you know, while the explicit result that I wanted was, of course, to have demo request that I could then take these sales-ready leads to my sales team. It really opened up a new relationship tactic for me. 
And I've really started to lean more into that since I, I initiated this campaign five, seven years ago. It's really a blend, I think, of empathy, understanding, creativity. And then you pair that with my sales background where I'm laser focused on, on revenue, revenue. That is what makes a marketer incredibly successful. That is what has made me incredibly successful with my campaigns. And something you hit on there too was, you know, how it helps you start to form a relationship. And a lot of sales too is like that. Sometimes, you know, professional relationships start from a personal bond. So it's really cool to see that play out in the marketing world. Absolutely. I, I think that's really fun. And, and at Narvar, we're all about e-commerce and retail and we're all consumers. And so I tend to lean into my own shopping addiction, if you will, to help forge relationships with prospect accounts on LinkedIn. Like, hey, I just bought this new dress from Hill House. Hey, Hill House CMO, can we chat? Like, I think you can try mm. anything, have fun with it, lean into the human element of connection. Definitely. And on that note, you know, it sounds like you're using your sales skills, obviously, to help build relationships from a marketing lens. How can other marketers start to try to do that and even create like, you know, personalized marketing experiences that would resonate with their target audience? Yeah, I mean, I think first things first, know your audience. That has been one of the most critical pieces to my success. And it's honestly just feels like second nature at this point. You learn to read what people really want, and then you ensure that your content is hitting home and that you ensure that the channels that you're delivering your content on it are the channels that your audience wants to consume the content on. You need to speak with them. Like it's, it's a two-way conversation, right? It's not just one way. I'm telling you this is what you need to do. Buy my product. I think obviously in sales too, you, you're all about personalizing pitches. You have to maintain that same level of care when it comes to personalization with marketing. It needs to go beyond variable tags. And you need to pair, of course, I mean, definitely use those. But be persona first. Think about seniority. Think about region. The more you can personalize, that's really where you're going to crack open some real marketing magic. And that honestly really helps build those relationships. If you know what people want, where they want it, when they want it, and then you're personalizing it, it's going to feel more special to them. And that is, that's, that's where the magic's at. I also think that, of course, like you need to have a data-driven approach to all of this. You can't just say like, oh, I'm going to do it all. You're going to have to iterate. It's not going to be right the first time you, you do any of this. It's all around iterating. And look, we also recognize, I think everyone recognizes that the world has fundamentally changed over the last three to five years with COVID. And so there's been a lot of change in behaviors and preferences. And so we all need to use data as our guiding star. In sales, they think, you know, data was all about just tracking leads and feedback. And now it's the backbone of how I operate as a marketer and what drives my strategy. That informs the A-B testing, the iterations. If something's off, you pivot and you have to pivot fast. There is no time for delaying action in the market that we are currently in. And yeah, I think that's that's really what it comes down to. Know your audience, personalize, leverage the data, and just get after it. Like there's going to be no perfect time to try something new. Waiting a day will have a bigger impact than just starting to riff today and then iterate tomorrow. Build the relationships. Don't wait for anyone. Yeah, this is all so great too. And all this, I mean, obviously background in sales has helped you. But let's talk about the flip side of it, right? So in what ways can maybe having this lens of sales 
maybe hurt a marketer rather than help them? Yeah, I mean, I think I touched on one of these earlier. There is an overemphasis on short-term goals. I think back to when I was in sales, right? Like I have my quarterly quotas and I have these other targets that I have to hit, whether it be daily activity metrics. If a marketer is too focused on these immediate conversions or immediate KPIs, you ultimately are going to neglect longer-term brand building and customer relationship management initiatives. You have got to balance some of those short-term conversion campaigns with longer-term strategies. And the easiest way to do that is just regularly review your objectives and ensure these objectives and these strategies align with your overarching corporate goals. And yeah, you're going to have these short-term tactics that layer up into it, but don't overly index on the short-term. I mean, that is one big piece that I had to definitely overcome in my career. Another piece that I I know I touched on earlier that can also hurt marketers is over-personalization. You know, when you're in sales, every pitch is personalized. You know, you incorporate your prospects, brands, colors, and maybe typography, and you want to nod to things you know about them. You cannot do that as a marketer. One, you do walk the fine line of being creepy, which we've seen for years now, but then also it's not scalable. You can personalize to a certain degree, but don't over-index on it. You're not going to be able to scale and get the volume that you ultimately want to see as a marketer if you're doing that. So I would definitely walk away from that. The other piece, too, that I, I think about frequently is honestly being really pushy. Like when I was in sales, and I started as a BDR, so my immediate goal was get a demo and then I get paid. and so. I would do anything to get that demo. And then when I moved into sale, being an account executive as a just a individual sales IC, I would do anything to close that deal. And sometimes I think that assertiveness, I mean, it worked for me because I was able to balance it, but not everyone can necessarily do that. So I would just say, focus on value-based marketing rather than trying to push a product or a service. Like you need to come at it from a more consultative lens. Think about like micro commitments. You don't need to always go immediately for the demo or buy the product. Offer something that's going to provide value that also equates to a micro commitment. So you're getting that in prospect into the funnel, whether the micro commitment be an ebook download, a webinar registration, coming to a, you know, a dinner and discourse experience that you're hosting with a partner. Just provide value. And provide micro commitments along the way rather than trying to always go for the end of bottom of funnel goal that sometimes we like to just completely hone in on. That's a great point. Sales has changed so much. There are people, they want to see, you need to almost deposit into the relationship bank account before you start withdrawing. So I think it's a really great point. Where give them value before having like a hard ask of meet with one of our team. I could talk to you about this all day, Catherine. But we have to wrap up, unfortunately. We're getting to the part of the show where we ask the same questions to everyone. I'm really curious to hear what you say. So we always ask too, like, you know, what are some maybe videos you recommend we, our, our listeners check out or books or newsletters or blogs or whatever? That, what is, you know, what is occupying your time? What do you recommend that our, our listeners check out too? Yeah, so this will be a little bit unconventional, Ryan, but I tend to consume most of my content that is geared for 
B2C marketers. I spend a lot of time on TikTok consuming content rather than reading, and I'm not going to necessarily name some publications or some of these newsletters, but I just tend to consume content geared more towards brands, um, B2C marketers, because ultimately they are treating their end audience as human beings. They are really leaning into the personal element of how they operate. And that is what I have adopted in my methodology when it comes to marketing, which honestly has made me really successful. I think it is what truly has given me such a competitive advantage. I think about my audience as, as human beings. I said this to you before we got on the call. I hate the terminology like B2B and B2C. Everyone's a human at the end of the day. It's so cliche. But yet we, we often leave that thought in the background and we continue to treat our end audiences as businesses rather than human beings. So I am all for content on TikTok that is really snackable, that is geared for B2C marketers, that you can action really quickly. Finally, someone telling me that I should be on TikTok. I feel validated. <laughs> the other question we like to ask too is, you know, you've obviously worked with a lot of people in your career. Can you share the names of like maybe two or three people that have inspired you to, you know, as you've progressed your career and has, as you've kind of come into your own as a VP of marketing? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the most influential people that I had the pleasure of working with was a gentleman named Chris Hansen. He was one of the founders of the CDP company that I had been working at Ignition One. He was such a passionate individual and he showed me how empathy and how you can actually bring emotion and passion into the workplace and channel it into a productive way to motivate teams. He was such an inspiring force that also helped me recognize that what I thought was a negative, my emotion, my passion could be a positive and could be an agent for change in the organization. So he's one of the most inspiring people I've, I've worked with. Another person is someone I currently work with, John Charlesworth. He is he works for me, actually. He's on my team. He's my director of marketing operations. And if I'm being honest with you, Brian, and I will be, he is one of the most brilliant marketers I probably will ever work with in my entire career. I have never seen someone with the ability to think end-to-end -end for a business who is so diligent, who is so caring, who is so data-driven, who is so on top of it, I should genuinely be working for him. And one day I know he will be like taking over the world. So he is definitely an inspiring force. He makes me strive to be better day in and day out. And then the third person I would say is, and I feel like this is kind of a cheat because I'm picking two people from Narvar, but the other person would be Narvar's chief customer officer, Anisa Kumar, who she'd been at the company two years, before joining, she was leading the Levi's business, taking them from being wholesale to really D2C. And she is just one of the most badass women I've ever had the pleasure of working with. She is so strong. She is so eloquent. She is so direct. She has taught me so much in marketing and just business and what I aspire to be, honestly. So those are the, my, those are my three. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Last one is how can people get in touch with you after the show? Well, Brian, I am always on LinkedIn. You can always catch me there under Catherine Dummett. Awesome. Well, Catherine, thank you so much. Uh, we really enjoyed having you on the show today. Thanks for being on our podcast. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. 
Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV. 